thank you, worship team. Uh, that was a really appropriate setting for us to uh, worship the Lord uh, on this time when there's a lot of fear in the world. Church gathers to worship the Lord, and so that's a beautiful thing. Well, here we are, March fifteenth, two thousand twenty, and there's probably a lot of questions that are going through your mind that are going through my mind right now. Some of the questions I've been asking are, how did we get here? It seems like just about two or three weeks ago, we were looking at this coronavirus incident and its effect on the world. And we were here in America, we were looking at this and saying, well, we understand it's spreading through China and some other countries, Italy, uh, they're a little bit, a lot ahead of us, several months or so, but it almost felt removed. Even though there were starting to be cases here in America, we looked at that and said it's a relatively small amount, it does pose a threat, but it did feel removed, I think, to a lot of us. And in these few short weeks, we've seen a lot of change in all of our lives. There's increasing lockdowns, shutdowns here uh, in America. Many people, many thousands of people um, have died throughout the world. There's an increasing number of people who are dying here in America. Uh, the stock market has had tremendous turbulence. This has drawn the attention of the entire federal government, all within a fairly short span of time, at least for most people's knowledge of what's going on. And how did we get here? I think all of us are having a sense of shock, a sense of... We've never seen anything for most of us in our lifetimes that has affected every area of society. Churches are not meeting and gathering. Fortunately for us, in our two locations in downtown LA, Little Tokyo, and here at Cerritos, we're small enough to where we could gather for at least this Sunday. I think we're also asking the question of what lies ahead. How serious will this be? How long will this endure? Uh, maybe not a long time, maybe longer than we think. Maybe it will be more serious, maybe it won't. Maybe we'll be looking at this six months from now, a year from now, a year and a half from now, and we'll be praising God that this has passed. I think we're asking questions of what role should the church play in all of this? What role should I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, play in all of this? How can I and the church conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How should I be praying during this time? How will God call upon me to serve him and serve other people? What will my witness as a Christian be to an unbelieving world during the, the days ahead? And I think we're also asking the question here today of what does the immediate future look like for us here at City Bible Church? What is the plan for us as a church as we um, continue to gather electronically online? How is this going to change life for us specifically as a church as it has throughout the wider body of Christ throughout the world? And so what we want to do during this time is I've entitled this message, uh, this is part of our series, Faith and Wisdom in a Time of Apocalyptic Uncertainty. This is actually part two. We'll be posting part one from last week uh, soon, I, I believe this week. But let's go ahead and change the slide. I've entitled this second message, I Don't Know, But I Believe. I don't know, but I believe. I think there's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that the whole world doesn't know about this entire situation. And I think there's a lot of room in Scripture for worshipers of God and followers of Jesus Christ to say, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's happening to me in the present. 
Um, and I'm uncertain. I have questions. I have concerns. I have doubts. I have struggles. I don't know. And there are plenty of people throughout the Bible who essentially said, I don't know what's happening or what will happen. But it is in the context of that uncertainty that we as followers of Jesus Christ step into that and we say, I don't know, but I choose to believe. And so what we're going to do during this time is I'm going to give a message, I don't know, but I believe. After that, uh, we're going to have a time of prayer uh, for those in the wider uh, scope of the world and the body of Christ, as well as a prayer for specifically for our church. And then Garen's going to come forward. He's going to share some specific plans and adjustments our church is making in the coming days that the elders have agreed upon uh, this week. And we're going to close by just worshiping the Lord. And I think um, you being here, you should know that uh, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I believe God will cover you during this time and uh, he will bless. So let me open up us up in a word of prayer and then we'll go into the message. Father, we gather here today as the body of Christ declaring that we don't know. And that's okay, because you know. We're here to say that we believe, not primarily in horses and chariots and swords, but we believe in the one and true and living God, the sovereign God who is working through this, who knows how this will end up, who says to us that no one can snatch us from his hand. And so, Lord, we place our confidence in you, God, here this afternoon. And we are looking to you now through your word, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit that will speak through me now. We're looking to you that we may be built up in the faith. We're looking to you that uh, the lies of the world, the fear of the world will be replaced by the truth of your word and the reassurance of your spirit. And so would you just bless this time now as we open up our hearts and minds and ears to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. I don't know, but I choose to believe. I'm going to make three I don't know statements and three I believe statements. And I think as I make these statements, my hope is that you'll find yourself within these statements. You'll find your own experiences. You'll find your own thoughts and your, your fears and your concerns expressed within this. And my hope is that these belief statements will remind us through clarity of what God is summoning the church to be and to do in the days ahead. So, I don't know. Statement number one. I don't know how bad this will be or not be. I don't think any of us know how bad or not bad this will be. I want to give voice to some of these concerns that are being talked about in culture right now in terms of how bad this will be or will not be. I don't know how high the RO factor is in the coronavirus. The RO factor is basically a measurement that scientists use to show how fast or, uh, a virus spreads uh, between people. And so different diseases have an RO factor. If it's one, for example, they usually infect one person. If it's two, it means the, the virus infects two people, three people, four people, so on. And if it's a high rate, it spreads faster. If it's a low rate, it spreads slower. 
I don't know how fast this is spreading. Nobody really does. I don't know if all of the talk out there that you and I have been reading on the internet and the news about the fatality rate is um, how accurate that truly is. There's talk about one out of every seven adults, uh, seniors age 60 and older, especially if they have underlying conditions, it's a fatal disease. But then if you change the denominator, uh, that might go down. So who knows how bad this will be in terms of really affecting human life uh, with, with finality. I also don't know, and we don't, you don't either, the government preventative steps and our individual preventative steps, how that might or may not flatten the curve in which this thing grows in society, how fast this will grow exponentially, or if we take the preventative measures and the government does that, if it will flatten that out, and hopefully that will be the case. Did we act in time? Did we do enough? I also don't know if there's going to be this cascading events that are so, uh, that were initiated by the coronavirus, but not exactly the coronavirus. What will happen or not happen to the healthcare system? Will it be overwhelmed? What will happen to society as people become more stressed uh, if that ends up being the case? I don't know what will happen with the economy. Will the stock market continue to go down? Will it recover in a V-shaped recovery? Will it recover in a U-shaped recovery? Uh, when will we all be able to return back to normal life? Will that be a few months from now? Will that be six months from now? The end of the year, 2021? I don't know this. And so the conclusion in this first statement, I think we can all see a little bit of ourselves in, is we don't know how bad this will be or not be. But in the middle of that, I believe that God wants us to make the commitment to say, even though we don't know, we believe. I believe that this will be a revealing moment for the church. And this is a test that the church must pass. I believe that this is a moment where God will summon his people to himself to declare his word, to declare his message, to be his salt, his salt of the earth and his light of the world. And this will be a test. This will reveal to us who is truly living by faith and love and hope in God. And will the church succumb to the fear and panic and outlook of the world? Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said... Thessalonian church, I want you to admonish the unruly. I want you to correct those who are in sin. I want to encourage, I want you to encourage the faint-hearted, those who are holding on to their faith, but they're a little weakened in it. And I want you to help the weak. And I think this is an important scripture for us as a church, as we meet this moment. There will be times in all of our lives, whether this is a short period or a long period, where we will have to correct each other. We will have to admonish, admonish the rule unruly and say, hey brother, hey sister, um, you're being more affected by the world than you are by the Lord. I just want to remind you of that. I want to help you set your eyes on Jesus and not set your eyes on the things of the world. And we'll have to correct each other in that. There will be times when we will have to encourage each other in our faith, where people are saying, I believe but help my unbelief. 
I'm struggling, Pastor Chris. I'm weak in my faith. I'm trying to believe. I'm doing my best, but I need encouragement. And there will be times when you, as the body of Christ, um, you may just be led by the Holy Spirit to text someone. Hey, I'm just praying for you, brother. I want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. It's going to be okay. He's going to work through this. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and the Lord will provide for you. You may need to text someone, to pray for someone, call someone, maybe even meet up with someone to encourage the faint-hearted. And lastly, I believe that there's going to be moments for all of us where you will find yourselves in situations where you will have to help the weak. There might be some people, some seniors, some people who, and that might go in a worst-case scenario, from people who need supplies to a medium or best-case scenario where people are just um, in need of, of uh, something that you can provide outside of that, even if briefly. I'm in that situation right now. My mother, who's incapacitated, she can't take care of herself. I spent the entire week helping the weak, which is my mother, um, to make arrangements for her to move into a new facility. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. I think this will be our expression of faith as a church. This is how the church will be tested in the days to come. And this is the moment and the test that the church must pass. We said last week that the ultimate goal of Christians during this time is not to run away from culture, not to find a cabin in the woods. It's not to say uh, my ultimate goal has success, is that I successfully navigated the stock market during this time. It's not to say that um, I have been the most well-stocked and well-supplied person on my entire block. Really, no, the most important goal for Christians during this time is to be in the world, engaging the world, but not succumb to being of the world. First, uh, John chapter 17. It is to, be, to form a, the priesthood of all believers, to minister to each other, but at the same time to speak prophetically into the culture, to declare the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. This is going to be a test for the church, and we will pass this test. The church of Jesus Christ will. I believe that. Second, I don't know statement. I don't know if during the pressure and uncertainty of the coming days, I don't know if one of my sinful character flaws will surface. When we're tired, when we're under pressure, when we're in a hurry, when we're stressed, when we're faced with uncertainty, is anyone here at their best? Right. We're all at our worst. And oftentimes those are revealing moments for our own Christian character. And I found myself this week, even for just brief moments, perhaps like yourself, entertaining thoughts as my, I took my eyes off the Lord and started to be influenced by all of the news. And I found myself in my weaker moments going into foolish thoughts, listening to the voice of man rather than the voice of God. And, and being tempted to place my faith in, well, simply what is being said on the news rather than placing my faith in God. There is a place for practical wisdom. Absolutely, we're not saying that. But um, God's voice more important than man's voice. Amen? Amen. Amen. I found myself this week at brief moments paralyzed by fear, entertaining some worst case scenarios. What will happen with 
elderly people. What if I get this? Will I spread this to my wife? What about my kids? What if it mutates into something else? How long will this be? How many people will get it? Um, what's going to be the effect on the economy? And all of the cascading uh, fears that can come in those moments. And I found myself entertaining those fears. And I had to remind myself I am called as a follower of Jesus Christ to him who has summoned me to live by faith and not by fear. And I found myself at times asking myself, well, if the stock market's going down and I'm losing money, um, am I going to get greedy and start immediately switching from saying, hey, I'm concerned about God's people, I'm concerned about what's going on in the world, and now if there's this opportunity to lose less money, maybe make money in the stock market, and how quickly that can change, right? And I want to renounce all of that. I want to turn that over to the Lord. I don't know if during the pressure and uncertainty of the situation, one of my sinful character flaws will surface. What about you? But I believe, I believe that I am to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and Paul is writing this from a prison cell. This is part of a number of epistles that Paul says are the uh, prison epistles. And I believe at this point, Paul would probably guess that this is not the end of his ministry. Probably feels that the Lord has more to him at that point for him. Uh, not the case in 2 Timothy where he knows that he is a drink offering ready, ready to be poured out. But at this point, Paul is under duress. He's in a Roman prison. And he's writing to the Philippian church, a church that he started in Acts chapter 16. And in chapter 1, verse 27, the Apostle Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I think we as a church are reminded through this passage we are to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel during this time. Whether we are together or in Paul's words, absent from one another. That we can take great encouragement hearing that each one of us is striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not just you conducting yourself in a manner worthy, but also that encourages other believers as well. That we are to be reminded, we are to be reminded as we conduct ourselves in this manner, that this is not your home. You are citizens of America, you're citizens of a global village called the population of the world, but your real citizenship is in heaven. God chose you through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, and he brought you to himself, and he moved in you, to place your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And he gave you himself here in this world. He gave you eternal life. He placed his spirit in you to comfort you, to be the spirit of truth. He gave you his, the truth of his word so that you can discern what is excellent and the truth versus the lie. He wants you to remember to conduct yourself, reminding yourself that your life here in this world is a vapor. You're going to be here today and gone tomorrow, in the words of the Apostle James. 
How many of us, most of you are younger than me, how many of you know peers or people that are right around your life stage who were here today and gone tomorrow? Right? This, and it's not, if it's not the coronavirus, it's going to be cancer, it's going to be a car accident, it's, it'll be something. Maybe old age, maybe you'll live a long life and then die in your sleep. Hopefully that'll be the case, right? But we have no control over that. And this is what the gospel says to us. No matter when your time comes, God wants you to know that this is not your home. And you are his. And you have an eternity with him. Third, I believe statement. I don't know if I will make all the right moves as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend to my neighbor. I don't know if I'm going to make all the right moves with the uncertainty of the days ahead, whether this lasts a few months or longer, whether it's a short time of trial and testing that turns out to be not as bad as we thought for most of us, or whether it becomes a more extreme time of testing and trial that pushes us. I don't know if I'm going to make all the right moves. Are you confident about that? On all these different levels, as I follow Jesus, as I fulfill the different roles that I have to fulfill in life, and some of the questions I've been asking as I, as I express I don't know are questions like this. What will it look like to be a follower of Jesus in the unprecedented, at least unprecedented in our lifetimes, days ahead? How will I lead my family as a husband who loves his wife and a father who disciples his children? How will I provide a home where I am the example for my family of peace and wisdom? How will I care for my aging mom? I'm asking questions like, how will I and the other elders of the church faithfully pastor this church in the care and the decisions we will have to make in the upcoming trials and constantly changing situations? I'm asking myself, what role will I need to play as a friend and as a neighbor to those in need around me that God puts across my path in the days ahead? And I think for many of us, you're asking these same questions as well. I don't know if I'm going to make all the right moves in the days ahead. I probably won't. But that's okay, because I'm human, and so are you. But I choose to believe. I choose to believe that there are at least two other persons who will make the right moves, at least for themselves. The first person I believe that we need to recognize is going to be moving through this entire situation is Satan. And I think it's important to be reminded that not only will God be at work through this, not only is God going to move through this situation, but Satan will also move through this situation. And I believe he will move through this situation in at least two different ways. He will take the chaos of the days ahead and he will use it to his advantage in at least two different ways. Number one, as what it looks like right now, as society is shutting down with blinding speed, as we're increasingly, it looks like, moving towards where Italy and France 
and Spain and other countries are going to, where we're starting to self-quarantine, either because we have the COVID virus 19, COVID-19 virus, or because we choose to, because we want to flatten the curve of the spread of the disease, or because we choose to out of fear and we just want to get away from everyone, um, or we choose to self-quarantine because in the coming days the government may uh, make some kind of federal directive towards all of us to do that. Whatever the reason, it looks like we are headed towards days where we, we will be increasingly isolated from one another, face, and we will not be together as much as we have been face-to-face, whether that's at, in the workplace, or in restaurants, or gatherings of friends, obviously here on Sundays at church. And so we're going to be isolated in our homes. Now, through the wonder and miracle and the blessing of technology, there are millions of Christians uh, throughout the world who are gathering together electronically on live streams. And that is a blessing. That God has used that tremendously to spread the gospel. However, that is not the same thing, although that's a temporary blessing, and we will use that even here at this church, that is not the same thing as gathering face-to-face in the flesh. The church is an organism. It is not a digital entity. And one of the ways I believe Satan will work through that as we increasingly become more isolated as a society is he will want to play on discord in the home, people together for long periods of time. Uh, Maybe they start to not get along. He will um, entice people to commit crimes, uh, places where there aren't people. And I think this is a big one. Um, Someone texted me this week uh, about this insight, and I thought this is a very insightful uh, danger that we need to be reminded of. If you have all these people isolating from their computer screens, you may think it's great because you can can, uh, binge watch your favorite shows. But the downside of this that you have to be warned about in terms of evil, it's going to increase the traffic of pornography on the internet. This is a pornographer's dream, to have everyone isolated away from each other and everyone in front of their computer screens. And I believe Satan will use this to his advantage, to either trap people, to retrap people, or to introduce this for the first time into people's lives. And we have to be vigilant against that. We have to be praying for our brethren in the church that that God would stop that and people would turn from that. So I think Satan will use this to his advantage in terms of spreading evil. And secondly, uh, as well, as well in this isolation, uh, as the church is not gathering together, I think there's a danger that the church could be weakened. If this goes on longer and longer than any of us think, it maybe, hopefully it's just a month, right, where we're self-isolating, but it may be a lot longer than that. And the church is not designed to function where you're not together with other believers. And the longer this goes on, it, it, while it might provide opportunities, it will also present the danger of weakening the church of Jesus Christ that Satan will want to take advantage of, and one of which is giving. Uh, many of you give online. Many people give online right now, and that's just the age in which we work in. But can you imagine a scenario when, as the church does not gather together People stop giving to the church. It weakens the church financially. And then when the church finally can gather together, she's in a state 
where she has financial hardship? And could that weaken the nature and the mission of the church? And so we need to be thinking about all these different scenarios, not just giving, but um, uh, relationship barriers, not seeing people. And I think a second way that Satan will want to work through this is through playing on people's chaotic fear. As we start to entertain some of us, maybe for good reasons, maybe for not good reasons, uh, what will help happen with my health? What will happen with my life? Um, as we see potential cascading effects beyond the COVID-19 virus in our healthcare system, in our economy, in uh, relationships between people, um, I think Satan will want to play on that. And I think we need to be aware of that and say, Lord, um, this is not coming from you. I pray that you would stop this, and I do not want to be party of this because there's an enemy at work who loves to sow discord. He loves to sow confusion and chaos, and you need to be aware of it, that that is a possibility in the days to come. Um, this is why the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 2, He said in verse 16 and 17, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Keep your eyes there on verse 17. Obviously, we know verse 16 very well about how Satan works through the desires of the flesh, desires of the eye, and the pride of life. But I want to draw your attention to verse 17 where John reminds us the world around us is passing away. It has desires. Those desires are passing away. We don't want to attach our hope to a world that is decaying. Because as we do that, as it's going downwards, it starts to affect us in a negative way. But instead, he says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We want to commit to doing the will of God in contrast to the downward movement of the world that you see around us. But there's another, there's a piece of good news here. Not only will Satan be at work through this, but I also believe that God himself will be at work through this. I believe that God will sovereignly move to call unbelievers to, to repentance, and he will sovereignly move to convict believers during this time to renew their commitment to holiness. When you look throughout the Bible, God uses apocalyptic type of events. And maybe this is not on the scale of the book of Revelation. It's not on the scale of the book of Exodus. We get that. But it's starting to feel a little bit in that direction. And when God uses things like plagues or pestilence or some kind of judgment or to have people focus on uh, the end times, on judgment or the coming of the Antichrist, all of these end time apocalyptic type events. God uses that whether you're talking in the book of Exodus um, or the book of Revelation where Pharaoh did, hardened his heart, he did not come to faith. But in the book of Revelation, where there was all of these worldwide events happening, there were people who came to faith through that. And why is that the case? I think it's because it's in these moments that we are forced to focus on ultimate things. 
it grabs our attention and we say, I, I have to look at issues of life and death. I have to be reminded, what about eternity? Do I believe that there is a God up there who will pronounce judgment on the human race? And we start to let go of some of the extraneous things in our life that we thought had so much power over our lives before, and yet now this has shaken us, and it's caused us to turn and ask these deep questions of meaning and destiny in life. And that can be a very good thing, because God can use that. And I believe that whether this is short or long, whether it's not too bad or really bad, this at least has gotten the attention of the entire world. And in that sense, there is great potential for the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because when you reset things, when you either reset a society or you reset people's attention spans and you get their attention and you get them to focus on these main eternal things, that is, this might be a generational opportunity for the gospel to go forward. All of these barriers that we have had to sharing the gospel with our friends and our family, our co-workers, and now these doors open up for us. Some of you who follow me on social media, uh, yesterday I posted a social media post on Facebook and Instagram and uh, I was just down the street over here at, at California Fish Grill. You know, it's one of my favorite restaurants. I, I love seafood. And I was just driving by, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go into the restaurant. It's probably a really safe place because there's nobody going to be there. And so um, I just thought, well, I'm just going to get a quick bite to eat. So I walked in there, and there was hardly anyone in there. It's like in the afternoon, late afternoon. And I walked up to the counter, and I, I, for, I had forgotten I was wearing a Christian uh, T-shirt, a, a Christian shirt. And, uh, you know, this guy came up to me who was taking my order. And he goes, are you Christian? And I go, yes. See, I had forgotten I was wearing that. I just had a pile of clothes at home. I just grabbed the first thing on. I, I wish I could say I was as noble as I will use this as a witnessing opportunity. I have faith that God is going to use. I will put on my Christian T-shirt and I will walk out there and God is going to. It was none of that. I just grabbed the thing that was top of the pile. And it just happened. But we know that God sovereignly works through those things, right? And so he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And he goes, what do you think about everything that's going on? I'm scared. What do you think it means? This is a direct quote. And I, I just said the first thing that came to mind. And when he said, what do you think it means? I just turned to him. I looked him in the eye. I go, I think it means that you need to ask yourself whether you're right with God. And he goes, you're right. I'm not. And you know what? We really, we just had... 60 seconds for this interaction. He's behind the counter taking my order. Unfortunately, I think God arranged it. There wasn't a customer behind me. And so I just walked up to him and I said, can I just pray for you right now? And he goes, yeah, could you pray for me and my family? And so I just prayed this prayer over him. His name's Aaron. And I said, uh, Lord, would you, would your goodness and your mercy protect Aaron and his family? Lord, I pray that um, you would protect him and his family from any harm. And God, may Aaron and his family know that you entered into human history, came in the flesh as Jesus Christ, to live the life he could not in holiness, mm. 
so that Jesus, you could go to the cross to die for his sin and rise again so that if he places his faith in you, he may have forgiveness for his sins and eternal life and may he turn his life over to you and become one of your followers. Amen and amen. And then I gave him a, a card to our church. That's all the time we had for uh, we. That's all the um, time we had. And I just wanted to remind myself that through all of the chaos, God is going to use this to open up doors for you to share your faith, for you to step out boldly, and that there are going to people, be people who are open to revisiting the considerations of whether they believe in God, whether they want to seek God out as a follower of Christ that were never open before. So be open to that. I think God is going to use this circumstance to call unbelievers to repentance and maybe, maybe even be a catalytic, catalytic event for revival in our country. That is my hope. And secondly, I believe that God will not only move in this to call unbelievers to repentance, I believe he's also going to use this time to convict believers uh, to return back to holiness and righteousness in their own life. Uh, you see this in the epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3. You see this in uh, John's epistle, 1 John chapter 2, when uh, Peter and John start talking about these, these apocalyptic type of events. Peter says, but God is not slow. Uh, he, he is slow in, in his love for you. He, he, he wants all people to come to repentance. For a day is like, a, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so, commit your life to him. And John says, since you know that these things are coming, the Antichrist is coming, the lawless one, the lawless one is coming, then put your eyes on Jesus. May you live righteous and holy lives in this moment. You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about, uh, from our other series in Matthew chapter 14, how uh, that instance when Jesus sent the disciples into the boat, and they went, I believe, onto the Sea of Galilee, and they're rowing all night against the wind and the, the waves, and they're exhausted. And then after that, Jesus comes to them, and he's walking on the water, and they think he's a ghost, and they're scared. And then Peter calls out, and he says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come to you. Jesus says, come. Peter steps out of the boat, and he actually starts walking on water. But it says that he took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to look at the wind. And he became afraid, and he started to sink. And as he sank in the water, Jesus reached out with his hand, and he grabbed him, and he pulled him up, and he said, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And they went back into the boat. See, it was Jesus who sent them into the boat, knowing that there was going to be a storm, knowing that they were going to be rowing against the waves. And it was Jesus who summoned them out of the boat. It was Jesus who, when they started to sink, when Peter started to sink, reached out his hand and he said, I'm going to lift you up. I had you all the time. Just trust in me. You know, and then let's get back into the boat and everything's going to be calm. I think that's a great metaphor. That was an apt, sovereign moment for us to be studying this passage. Because when you look at the, at the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus, do you believe 
that the COVID virus is the one that is in control of the world? No. See, because see, if you think that the virus is ultimately in control, you're going to live in fear. You're going to say, you know what, this is out of control. No one has a vaccine. We're waiting for a, a year and a half or whatever it is. And then people are going to get it. Is that 40, is that 70% of the entire population of this country? Uh, who's, you know, how bad is it going to be? And then you'll entertain your worst fears. But see, the COVID virus is not the thing that puts you into the boat so that you're rowing against the waves. It was Jesus. And see, when you make that switch and you say, it is not the COVID virus that is in control, it is Jesus that is in control. He has put the church into the boat and we're going to have to row, maybe. We're going to have to waves against us. We may be rowing all night. But he's going to appear. And we may not recognize him at first. But he's going to ask us to get out of the boat. To keep our eyes on him. And some of us will. Like Peter. And some of us will just walk all the way towards him. Others of us, we're going to be like Peter. And uh, we're going to start well. And then we're going to look up and start to sink. Help me. And Jesus is going to grab us. Others of us in the church won't even choose to get out of the boat at all. We're going to be like the other disciples. At least Peter chose to get out of the boat. Who you think is in control is going to matter. And so, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Even the best scientists don't know what's going to happen. But let us make the commitment to choose to believe. Let us choose to believe that this moment in time, God has put us in the boat. This is going to be a test for the church. And we are going to pass this test for each other, for the world, and for God. Let us be reminded that there will be moments where the pressure or uncertainty of the situation may reveal some of the worst of our character, but that we will all conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we commit to that, God will work through that because we will be reminded that God has saved me. God has chosen me. God will take me to eternity. God will not anything let his child be snatched from his hand. And let us make the commitment to say that we are not going to be foolish and not recognize that there is also an enemy out in the world who's going to work through this. To tempt, to accuse, to deceive, and to destroy. And let's be prepared for that. But there is one that is greater. And the Holy Spirit that lives within you, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. God himself will sovereignly in a way only he can as God help us to meet the moment to reach people that we thought were previously unreachable and he will help us to move forward in our own walk in holiness as we are shaken out of the foolishness the greed, the pride, the lust the anger, the hatred that had gripped our heart, the idolatry and say, no, no, that is, I'm tired of being a sucker of Satan. I belong to God. 
And this is a good reminder to me of what really matters. And let me leave the foolishness of the past behind. And God is going to do that. Satan failed in the garden. God was greater. He sowed the seeds of the gospel even in his proclamation to Eve. Pharaoh failed against Moses. Goliath failed against David. Jezebel failed against Elijah. The Assyrians and the Babylonians failed against Israel and Judah in the end. The entire Roman Empire, the Jews, and Satan himself failed against Jesus Christ. He defeated them on the cross. He defeated sin. He defeated death. And he gave birth to those who would believe in him to the church, you. Our God is greater. Our God has seen far greater challenges than this. And so let's place our faith in him. And we, as a church, will have our best days ahead of us. We will prevail. We will be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And God will use this in a tremendous way to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine for those of us who follow him. Let's pray together. As you bow in prayer, I'm going to ask you to pray for two things at this moment. Um, we're going to pray for those outside of uh, this, the community of the church and pray for those outside, other believers outside of this particular community. And then Mike's going to come forward and lead us in a couple prayers, a few prayers for our church in particular. As you bow in prayer, I want to encourage you to pray along these two lines. Um, I want to encourage you to pray out loud, too. I think the prayers of the saints availeth much. And uh, it's a very great encouragement to hear these prayers. So the first thing I want us to pray for is for our nation's leaders. First Timothy 2 talks about praying for our leaders, for wisdom, for their salvation, so that we may live peaceable, quiet, and godly, and dignified lives. Let's take a moment and do that. I want us to pray that the president, the Congress, our local officials would all make wise decisions right now. The CDC, the WHO, let's do that. Let's all bow and pray, and let's pray right now for our leaders. Second prayer, I want you to stay in prayer, and I also want you to pray for other believers throughout this country, even throughout the world. Second Chronicles chapter 7, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, If my people who will humble themselves pray, seek after me, and turn from their sin, then I will forgive them and heal their land. I want you to pray right now that God's people throughout this country, throughout this world, would humble themselves, seek after God, turn from their wicked ways, and receive God's forgiveness so that he may heal our land. Amen. 
Let's pray for the wider body of Christ along those lines right now. Mike is going to come forward right now, and uh, he's going to lead us in a few prayers for our particular church community. Church community. It's kind of weird times, isn't it? We're full of different emotions, um, but in this time, as a church, as a family, you know, different family members handle situations in different ways. Um, even in our community, some some of us might be feeling like. You know, why are they so freaked out? Are they overreacting? So some of us have that feeling. Others of us are like, man, you're not taking this seriously enough. You need to respect that. And in this time, the enemy will want to bring division among us. Um, it's, it's challenging. Decisions are going to be made. Um, you know, I'm a dad. i got a big family. Not every decision I make is popular. Um... We try as a family to navigate this life together, and we will, we're going to have a lot of feelings. So what I want us to pray for is I want us to pray that we as City Bible Church are going to stay unified during this season, and that the enemy will not try to isolate us and pick us off. Also, there's a tension between preserving natural life and also preserving spiritual life. It's that tension between safety and the mission. So I want you to pray three things where you're at. Pray for unity. Pray that you'll have grace on those in our community that thinks differently than you or feels differently. And then third, that we will still maintain the urgency. We are still expanding the kingdom of God. We're not on hiatus. So let's pray. Jesus, keep us unified. Let us love each other, have grace on each other in this time. And give us the urgency to continue your work. Next, um, we need to pray for our leaders. Um, we need to pray for the Fukunaga family and Pastor Chris, the elders. Um, pray for wise decisions. Pray that we navigate this um, in the way and that God would give us wisdom as we lead this. Pray that if there is a hiatus, it'll be as short as possible and that you know we don't want to forsake the assembly of the saints. 
just pray right now uh, for wisdom during this season. Okay, lastly, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us for protection. Okay, just protection from the virus, protection from evil, and also for comforting your hearts. Just remember, uh, you can mark this down and read it later, but Psalm 91, Psalm 121. You know, God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, although the earth give way. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've called us to have courage. You've called us to have strength. If we are in Christ, the outcome has already been determined. In Revelation 20, we win. Mm -hmm. You defeat Satan. And in this mortal life, Lord, you know every hair on our head. You say that you care for the sparrows. And we're much more important than sparrows to you. Mm -hmm. Lord, we don't need to live this life in fear, even in this situation. So God, I pray that you would give us strength in our hearts, that we would not have fear. But we would reach out to a lost world and give them the light of Christ. And that we too would have hope in our hearts and peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name. I leave you the words of Christ who said, Let your hearts not be troubled. I have overcome the world. Amen. 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 Uh, Norm. Come on up. Norm's going to give you some information. Or maybe Garen. And before Norm comes up, he has uh, some brief instructions and um, on tithing. But uh, before that, uh, just a quick word, kind of general announcements. Uh, pretty straightforward, but um, outside of our normal small groups, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday small groups, we're temporarily suspending all of our other ministries and, and groups that we had previously planned. So, um, yeah. Be sure to check the calendar. It will be updated. But as of now, this upcoming week, will be um, we will be meeting for small groups. So Thursday, uh, 6.30 at Long Beach at the Winchie's house. Friday, 6.30 uh, in Westminster at Mutuazan's house. And then Saturday, um, uh, I'm guessing, I, I don't know, Timothy, do you know? Are you guys sure? Okay. So um, just keep an eye out for that email uh, from Matt or Jose or somebody like that. Um, but yeah, so kind of with that, very important, if you don't receive our emails 
please let uh, myself or Cynthia know before you leave today, because going forward, that's obviously the most primary way that we're going to be communicating and letting people know. Um, so, you know, Lord willing, we'll be able to continue to meet in our small groups uh, on a regular biweekly basis like normal. But as of now, the way we see it, uh, we will meet this week. And then from there on, it's going to kind of be um, just uh, week by week. And so uh, please be sure to check your emails from your small group leaders so you know uh, what the plan is for that coming week. And then uh, as far as services go, hopefully you saw the email. Um, this is our last Sunday meeting in both our downtown LA space and here in Cerritos uh, for the foreseeable future. So we'll be transitioning to uh, uh, online Facebook Live streaming. And we're gonna uh, transition to just one uh, stream. Okay, normally we have two services, obviously downtown LA and Cerritos, but we're just gonna do one. That's gonna happen at 9.30. Now the thing that's nice about uh, Facebook Live, if you don't know, um, it, the link is still available and the viewing is still available even after the live feed is off. So, you know, maybe you're not able to wake up in time or something like that. There's grace there. So you'll be able to watch it later that day. Um, so again, yeah, um, be sure that you're on our church email distribution list. If you're not sure, still come see us. Um, if you don't have Facebook, maybe now's the time to sign up. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, there, there is a possibility that we might be looking into some additional uh, streaming services. So uh, again, uh, just be aware of that. But yeah, most important thing, uh, small groups are on for this week, uh, unless something dr drastic changes from now until then, okay? Thank you. As you guys know, the church is a body and uh, we need each other and during these times. Uh, so a lot of times we could start to think, oh, let's check it off, there's no church, and start doing my own type of thing. I really encourage you guys to utilize this time. As, a, as Pastor Chris was mentioning, uh, we're susceptible of being picked off when we're alone. Uh, so I encourage you guys to, to, to reach out to each other, to keep this thing going, which leads us to tithing because it's amazing the past few months there's just been a, a large amount of momentum of new people that have been coming. In addition to that, you guys are also giving on a regular basis. And uh, we want to encourage, continue to con encourage that uh, as, a, as it's a kind of a driving force of just the, the reality of, 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 uh, of rent and uh, the in-reach as well as outreach. We want to continue to uh, pursue that. So roughly about 70% of our giving is done online. So the other 30%, we encourage you guys to do that as well for the unforeseen uh, future uh, so that we can continue uh, to um, to grow this, uh, Pastor Chris is in constant, almost daily, well, almost a couple times daily, <laughs> in dialogue with the elders, uh, directing, asking for the Lord to direct this. Uh, so, just because you may not see us physically, there's a lot of work going on behind the doors, and one of the driving things we, we encourage you guys to do is to continue uh, to give. I'll stand as we um, close our time together in worship. As we've kind of been talking about uh, with the surrounding 
current events and just, uh, you know, that possibility that, you know, the Lord is, is working and moving to bring people back to himself, um, ourselves included. And so um, in preparation for uh, this worship this Sunday, worship today, um, I just brought back to um, the heart of worship. And so, um, you know, maybe this is our time to really uh, refocus our lives on what's truly important and just uh, seeing uh, Christ as King and worshiping Him and, and letting all those other things uh, fall by the wayside. 